you've heard me say it before, I think the most important thing we do is manage other people's money. All the rest is the process to get there. And it's absolutely crucial that they have the confidence and trust in us to do that. Welcome to Kelowna Talks, where we explore the why behind the decisions that shape your city. Together, we open the curtain and dig deep into current issues, plans, and policies that come out of City Hall. Thanks for joining us as we talk about Kelowna and the topics that matter to you. Hi, everyone. I'm Bob Evans, Partnership Director at the City of Kelowna and host of our Kelowna Talks podcast. I acknowledge that our community is located on the traditional, ancestral, unceded territory of the Silks, Okanagan people. So uh, here we are, municipal elections now behind us. We have several new faces around the council table, three new councillors and a new mayor. The weeks following an election can be steep, a steep learning curve for, um, for these new members. There's a lot of information they need to understand. One of the biggest items is the annual city budget. So today we're talking about onboarding those new members, council and the budget and uh, sort of a bit of a budget 101 for our listeners because it's significant and everything we do as a city relies on that budget. Joining us today, we have our city manager, Mr. Doug Gilchrist. Welcome, Doug. Uh, thanks a lot, Bob. I appreciate being here. Well, we're glad to have you. It's been a few episodes and uh, we've been wanting to get you in the seat and here you are. So we usually start off by um, asking people when you're not at City Hall, and in your case, it's probably just a, a, a small couple of minutes a day, but uh, what do you do when you're not managing the city? I was going to say, when am I not yeah, at City Hall? Yeah. Um, yeah, I spent a fair bit of time there, that's for sure. But uh, like everybody else, we have another life. Um, I'm a father of two young kids, um, eight and 10 years old, and they're, they're a blast. So I do a bit of coaching with one of them, uh, coaching lacrosse. And uh, I spend lots of time with the others skiing and water, boating, biking and everything like that. And um, and my wife. Um, so we're a pretty close family and do lots of great stuff up in Kettle Valley. And um, yeah, a little bit of traveling when we can uh, find the time. Enjoying the beauty and the bounty of our city. Good to hear. You bet. So with the new councillors and a new mayor, you know, in the seat for the next four years, what have the last couple of weeks looked like for you uh, with them in terms of bringing them up to speed, teaching them the ropes, let's say, on uh, what it's like to be a mayor and council in the city of Kelowna? Yeah, the last few weeks since the election has certainly been a whirlwind. Uh, it's a busy time for any municipality, but when you have uh, a change of four new uh, councillors uh, come into a council, it changes everything. Right? It changes the dynamic of council. It changes the approach. Um, they may now have some new priorities, new ways of communicating and wanting to do things. And so uncovering all of that so that you can end up with a really cohesive team that is aligned with the organization or the organization more appropriately, the organization becomes aligned with the new council. So that's, uh, that's been going really well. Um, we have a pretty robust orientation program for councils, um, and we were well prepared. Uh, there's a great team of staff uh, around the executive office and throughout the organization that put a put a ton of time into ensuring we were prepared, uh, regardless of uh, who was on council. And then uh, we spent four days with them uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, getting them oriented. I always like to ask you the question, what does that look like? I've had certain staff inside City Hall go, oh, what's it going to be like? A new mayor, a new, new council. And what I've been saying is that we have, we have a job to do as professionals and doesn't really matter. I mean, it does because obviously the mayor and council set priorities in a direction, but as staff, we do our job professionally, regardless of, of who's at the helm. So 
I don't know, help me out with that one. And what do you say to staff, you know, with, uh, with new leadership at the helm? I say that, Yeah, you know, yeah. that is, that's a, a perfect message, Bob. I mean, public service, if you don't believe in that, public service isn't the place for you, right? right. So the, the, some of the things I've been saying to staff and people ask me a similar question is, um, the things we needed to accomplish before October 15th are mostly the same things we need to accomplish now whether it's public safety or homelessness or, you know, pandemic recovery, economic uh, efforts, facility development, all of those things are still on our, our agenda to complete, as well as all the services that aren't in the political realm, you know, like snow clearing and cultural uh, programs and things like that. All of those are based business that we have to continue on with. The way we go about doing that business and how far we go in certain directions will definitely change as a result of a new council. And that's a good thing, right? Cities change, councils need to change accordingly, and then we need to respond. So I'm hoping all of our staff really pay attention and listen to council so that we can follow their lead. Mm -hmm. Um, The community elects them and their direction is our direction. Their priorities will become our priorities. And that's an important message to be, I think, filtered through the organization. And there's nothing to be afraid of. There's, you know, change is uncomfortable for some people, but uh, change can be a really good thing for an organization. And uh, so far, I've seen nothing but positive things. Change can be exciting. Change is exciting for me anyways. And, uh, you know, I guess that brings us to this, the second part of our, of our discussion today, which is the, which is the budget. And uh, you tell me, but I guess this is maybe one of the first chances that council get, uh, gets to actually put their personal stamp on, on the direction of the city. And we're uh, looking at a uh, preliminary budget going to council December 1st, is my understanding, and then a, a, a debate or deliberate various aspects on December 8th. Help us, help our listeners understand the budget process. It obviously starts way before that, uh, before it gets to council. It's a uh, quite an uh, elaborate, integrate process, and uh, a lot of people behind the scenes are working on it, and it's, it's a big, big effort. Can you help our listeners understand what goes into the prep uh, before it sits uh, in front of council? Sure. Um, I probably won't do it justice because I know there's a lot of people behind the scenes that do more uh, associated with the budget than even I'm aware of. But in essence, we have about $170 million taxation budget. Uh, only a component of our budget is tax funded. So 170 odd million is tax funded and the balance comes from reserves grants and fees and charges. Those are the kind of the big buckets anyway. But in any given year, we could spend upwards of you know, 500 million, mm-hmm. depending on the size of the capital program for that, for that given year. So what we bring to council is the changes to the tax component of the budget. And that starts generally early in kind of May, June for both the capital and some of the operating. And it goes through a filtering process. And people bring their needs and wants to the table hopefully, more often now than perhaps in the past, but hopefully based on a divisional plan or a strategy um, where they've identified the resources they need, the program they need to develop or advance, and the capital needs that have been identified. And that comes through to the divisional directors, ultimately the senior leadership team, and finally culminates in what's called the City Manager Budget Review Week uh, that happens in October where we uh, really get down to brass tacks on what's necessary, what's nice to do, and what isn't going to make the cut for the year. Yeah, so there you go. It's a, it's a multiple-month process with dozens and dozens of people uh, with their hands and their eyes on it, and ultimately uh, gets to you for a final decision on what goes to council. 
Yep, it does. Ultimately, it's, it's my recommendation to council. And then once they approve it, it's their budget. You know, we do have budget improvement uh, processes that I think are really important that we want to do a better job of. And ultimately, those will streamline our budgeting process. So it isn't so laborious every year for so many people in the organization. Try and free up some hours so they can spend more time on the work they're doing than the budget they're planning. So can you give me an idea what that means, a budget improvement process? What? Uh... So um, it's largely our finance team that's tasked with it. But um, I'll give you an example of sort of rolling up things into buckets as an example. City of our size taking line item budget improvements in the 10 or $20,000 is really not efficient. And it doesn't encourage council to fly at the level that we believe they should in terms of good governance. Mm -hmm. So rolling up some programs into bigger buckets that give a little bit more latitude around how the money is spent within a program or a policy level that council has established. That would be one example. Um, And the other one, which I think is going to be a really significant effort for our organization in the next little while is service-based budgeting. Really having getting a better handle on what council is getting for every dollar they agree to spend so that we can show them and to the community quite transparently, almost like a sliding scale. For this amount of money, you get this level of service. If you invest more money, the service goes up by X. Mm-hmm. If you pull money off the table, it goes down by Y. Some services like street sweeping, that's very easy to do, right? If you add more money, we can do another Mm -hmm, sweep. mm -hmm. Um, Other services like planning or partnerships or things to do with arts and culture or communications, it's much more difficult to define service levels. Um, But we're going there in a big way. A question I have, Doug, is when we we look at tax increases every year, and last year in 2022, the tax increase was 3.94%. Uh, I want the listeners to understand a little bit about a little bit more about that decision making process in terms of our targets for those increases and the impact of those targets in terms of that value added that you were just talking about and how we fully judge. In, you know, in some instances, and again, I empathize as a as a as a homeowner in the city and as, and as a taxpayer on the implications of, of those increases, but I also want a good city and I want a city that, that, that can grow holistically and provide more opportunities and ensure our long-term sustainability. Uh, this sounds like an election platform. We've already had the election, but it, the, you know, the idea of uh, what's the process and what goes into making those final decisions. It's a balancing act. You know, it, it is definitely more an art than it is a science. Um, in some ways, my nature is to make it a science and put systems around it. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, it's uh, you know you have to have one foot in each camp: the political side and the administrative side. And I think getting to a place of understanding of what it costs to run the city and what you get for your money is an important education. So the time we spend with our community and with our council, helping them understand what they're getting for their their money, I think is critical. You know, you, you've heard me say it before. I think the most important thing we do is manage other people's money. Mm-hmm. All the rest is the process to get there. And it's absolutely crucial that they have the confidence and trust in us to do that. So our job isn't just to manage the money well and provide great services. It's to educate them on how we do that so that they have confidence when they're paying their tax dollars there. They realize, yeah, we get good money or we get good value for this. And we're not going to uh, protest kind of working over a certain amount of money. Once you get to that point, um, I think the adjustments year to year are easier. People can understand that there's an 8 or 10% inflation. 
And those in our basket of goods is even more expensive than, you know, a typical household mm-hmm. when you're buying fuel and tires and things like that. So when, when you have them in a place of trust and confidence in municipal government, which is tough for any level of government these days in our, our world, then the adjustments are a little bit easier for them to swallow and understand. We have the same cost pressures of, as households do, and if not more, but we also have some revenue levers. You know, with your office, the partnership office is trying to pull some more of those levers so that we don't have to rely on taxpayers as much in the future. And I'm quite proud that we are on the lower end of the spectrum of taxes per average household and that we only rely on taxes for about 25 to 30%, depending on the year, of our overall revenue base. That's really sound fiscal management, and that's not uh, common in every municipality. My understanding is that uh, the city of Vancouver, for instance, is is the, the the reverse of that from a percentage perspective. Yeah, they is that are. True? Yeah, yeah, and it depends on how you calculate it, but um, at minimum, they're closer to fifty percent um, tax funded. And so, when you go through things like a pandemic, their reliance on taxation has a much much bigger uh, impact on their their cash flow and their potential future budgeting. So. Uh, just like your own portfolio, diversification is important. Uh, we don't have a lot of leg- legislative tools for financial diversification, but we are pressing for new ones with the province. We've asked for a new fiscal relationship, which means essentially a new deal on how we fund municipal governments. And the door is open a little bit on that. So we're hopeful on that front. But in the meantime, we'll use the legislative um, authorities that we do have to get creative. Um, and I know, uh, through some of the work you and your team are doing, we're going to find new ways to generate some revenue so that we don't have to have as heavy reliance on the taxpayer. So, yeah, you mentioned my own portfolio. So keeping my head in the sand is probably, I'm not sure if that's a good or bad strategy at this stage. Just buckle <laughs> down a little bit, I guess. You know, just on that, Bob, um, you know, innovation is in our values as a city for a very purposeful reason. It was, it didn't just fit an acronym or, or something that was, you know, pie in the sky. It, it's very purposeful that we want the entire army of staff. We have 1,100 staff, roughly, and we want them all thinking about innovative ways to do their job, to create efficiencies, and to look for alternative revenues. Um, it might be through partnerships, it might be foregoing cost or cost avoidance, or it might be actually generating uh, money that we can put into facility development or, or asset renewal or things like that. It's a great reminder to all of us of the culture that um, you're trying to instill as our leader, Doug, and uh, having us all think and look and be creative and be entrepreneurial in our in our vision on how we can do it differently, how we can do it more effectively, and how we can attract different revenue streams to the city. Maybe that's my own personal sales pitch. But back to the budget. I have to get back. And um, one of the questions I had as we go through the budget period, uh, we talk about or we identify as a city, P1 and P2 projects. Can you help our listeners understand how uh, a, a project gets gets that designation and what that means to the uh, to the debate at, at council chambers? Sure. So uh, P1 means you, you made it through city manager budget review and that we're making a recommendation for council to fund that and include it in the budget. So when we present council to the budget, P1s will total up to uh, a certain uh, funding amount as well as a percentage increase. And the P2s are outside of my recommendation, but they, they remain in the budget presentation document that goes to council and the public. So both of them can see what's important that we're not able to fund. Right. Um, and council may choose to take something out of that 
priority two and make it a priority one and fund it, increasing taxes, or um, pull something off the table that's a P1 to make room for something else. Okay, that's fair. So that's uh, probably one of the focuses of the of the conversation around the council t- chamber during uh, during those meetings. What happens after December eighth? So council gets the the budget package. Uh, they make some. They have some conversations. They have some debate about it. They make some decisions, and then what happens? Well, ideally, budget day is a day and uh, and no more. But I, you know, people look at it and think, uh, well, they only spent two hours or six hours on budget day. That's not enough oversight. Budget's really a program. It's not a day. But December 8th is the culmination of a lot of time and effort and work and touch points with council, starting back in as early as June of the previous year. Uh, really understanding what they're looking for in the budget, massaging it, going back and checking in with them again, so that when we do present it on December 8th, there's no surprises. They generally understand what's in there and why it's in there. And most of it is as a result of their direction, perhaps their priorities right. that have been set. So at the end of budget day, they adopt it ideally uh, by resolution. That's provisional budget is approved. Uh, once provisional budget's approved, we can start spending. Um, even though final budget doesn't, ap- doesn't actually occur until May when it's uh, finally adopted. We have all of our revenues confirmed, our carryovers, uh, all of that kind of stuff is dealt with, reserve allocations. Um, and then we do adopt final budget in May. I have a little fact here. I wanted to do a bit of a shout out to the finance team. My understanding is the city's been awarded the, this is long, the Government Finance Officers Association Distinguished Budget Award 20 years in a row. A, that sounds great, but further than that, it, it must mean that uh, you know we're doing a good job under the eyes of, of other governing bodies that we're, we're, our approach to budgeting has attracted some attention. Yeah, that's an award that we should all be very proud of, uh, particularly the finance department who's uh, you know charged with it and uh, has the most amount of energy into delivering it. And our citizens should be proud that they have a government that cares enough about uh, the way we manage our money and communicate our budget uh, back to the community because that's part of uh, one of the awards that we get from GFOA as well. I just hate to be the finance director in place when we don't get it. <laughs> 20 years running. That's a, that's a pretty substantial track record. Yeah. Things are changing always. Or the city manager, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess the, the city manager, manager. <laughs> the ultimate authority. Yeah. Well, that's pretty much the end of our time today, Doug. I appreciate you showing up and uh, sharing with us how the new uh, mayor and council members are being oriented to their duties in the city, the new and the background around the budget. Is there anything we've missed that you want to share with our listeners on either of those two topics before we wrap up? I don't think so, Bob. I just want to thank you for doing these. I think it's an innovative way of communicating out to our staff and others. And I'm really excited we're doing this kind of uh, this kind of work. And um, I'm excited about our staff and council. You know, we've built, I think, something really special here in the city with the level of talent and passion that we have in staff. And uh, I'm excited about new council and the direction they're going to help take us. Uh, I'm sure we're going to be able to deliver on their results as as well as we have on uh, previous councils. Well said, and I'm excited too. So uh, thank you, Doug, for joining us today. That's it. Okay. Thank you, boss. Thank you for listening to this episode of Kelowna Talks. For more conversations about topics that matter in your community, subscribe on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you liked what you heard, give us a five-star rating and review and share Kelowna Talks with your friends and neighbors. For more information about this podcast and other big community conversations, visit Kelowna.ca slash community stories.